Be finding Psalm chapter 113 in your Bible. Psalm chapter 113. Now last week I preached a message entitled, Rethink Your Thinking. So we're going to rethink something else today. We're going to rethink praise. So last week we're talking about recognizing the influence that Satan can have in our thoughts. And I'm telling you, our thinking will impact our praising. They go hand in hand in a lot of ways. So if you missed that message last week and you want to grab hold of it, you can always go to buzzsprout.com. Buzzsprout.com, just type in my name and it should come up. But Philippians 4, 8 says, Think on whatever is excellent and praiseworthy. And when you come to a time of worship, a time of praising God, you are thinking on Him. You can't be thinking of all the negative things in life. You can't be thinking of you need to mow the grass. You need to go do this. You've got to go to work tomorrow. You need to be thinking on Him. He is certainly praiseworthy. So today, rethink your praise. And what does the Bible say about the acts and actions and mindset of praise? Well, Psalm 113, verses 1, 2, and 3. Let's just start right there this morning. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Praised be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to its going down, the Lord's name is to be praised. We're to have a heart filled with praise toward the Lord. We're to vocalize and verbalize praise to Him. You know, if you ask any midwife, you ask any labor or delivery nurse, and they'll tell you the sound of a newborn baby crying is a good thing. When a baby is born, a baby's just whimpering, and they try to get it to, to move more and to begin breathing better, and it just it won't cry, it's, it's just too settled where it's at, that's never a good sign. They want those children, those babies, those newborns to cry because it indicates something's wrong if they won't. But do you know the same is true of you and I? If a born-again believer in the Lord Jesus Christ If he cannot praise, it's an indicator that something is wrong. We ought to have praise toward our Maker and our Redeemer. So let's do some rethinking about our praise to the Lord. First of all, what is praise? What is praise? Well, praise is simply to express honor. Praise is us expressing honor to God for what He's done, for who He is, everything. It couples with worship. Praise is part of worship. And, uh, but all worship is not necessarily praise because there are two different aspects of it. But we're talking about praise. It's a little bit different and it is a part of uh, the pattern of worship. So praise is the part where we express honor and thanksgiving and things of that nature. Our English word praise actually comes from a French root word. And that French root word means to prize. Have you ever thought of it like that? We are prizing God. We're awarding Him the prize that is due Him. When we award a prize to someone, we're giving them top honor. They're winning top prize. We need to make sure they're worthy of that distinction, don't we? I felt so horrible years ago at the Miss Universe pageant. Steve Harvey read the card, but when he read the winner, he gave the top honor, the top prize... The, the $30,000 ribbon and the crown went to the first runner-up. He pronounced her as the winner of the Miss Universe pageant. Someone had to correct him on it, and within two minutes he had to correct it so the crown could be awarded to the true winner. It didn't go to the rightful winner.
praises us giving honor, top honor, giving the crown to the rightful, uh, awarding it to the rightful winner, the rightful person. I want you to know the Bible says Jesus is crowned King of kings and Lord of lords. He is the rightful winner of our praise. He is worthy of it. Praise is for us to give the prize to the one who's worthy of all praise, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now you and I know the word appraise. We get an appraisal done on things to do a check to determine adequately its condition and its worth. That's an appraisal. The Bible is full of, it's a full actually, it's a full appraisal of God. From cover to cover, we find out what God's like. We find out who He is, what His nature's like, about His being. And we learn from that that He is worthy of everything. Every praise that we can give, He is worthy of it. It's a full appraisal of God and it culminates in Jesus the Son. So the more we learn about Him, the more we understand His worth and the more we desire to praise Him. Look on the screen if you would. It's Psalm 103, verse 1. The psalmist said, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless His holy name. All that is within me, bless His holy name. So this is the second thing we know, and that is that praise involves our total being, our whole being. What's that? Well, that's the body, the soul, the spirit. Every part of us, our entire being, our whole makeup is to praise God. He said true worshipers will praise Him in spirit and in truth. Spirit is that inner part of us. It's the mind, it's the, the will, it's the emotions. So our total being is, to be, is, is what should well up in praise, not just with our lips, in other words, like it's just an afterthought. It's just something we do. Uh, something habitual. No, praise should begin and well up within us and affect our entire being and come from our entire being. Horatius Bonar wrote this, Fill thou my life, O Lord my God, in every part with praise, that my whole being may proclaim thy being and thy ways, not for the lip of praise alone nor even the praising heart, I ask but for a life made up of praise in every part. He wanted all of himself to be involved in praise and to lift up the Lord. So true praise comes from every part of our being, from our heart, our minds, our soul, our spirit. It involves our thoughts. It involves what we say, so it's verbal. It involves our feelings and emotions as well as physical expressions, every part of us. Let all that is within me bless His holy name. So praise involves our whole being. Praise, number three, is to be jubilant. Jubilant. Psalm 95 depicts the progressive nature of worship. The Bible instructs us to begin worship with jubilant praise. Giving honor jubilantly. Celebratory praise would be a good description of what praise ought to be like. Look on the screen at Psalm 95, verses 1 and 2. Read this with me. Let's all read it together on the screen. Psalm 95, verse 1 and 2. O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. 
Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. Now what's psalms? Psalms are songs. In the Hebrew, they're psalms, and they have a rhythm, and there's a, a poeticness to them. And we lose some of that when we translate those things into English. And so they try real hard to keep that flow and that rhythm that they have in the psalms. But he says, shout joyfully with songs to the Lord. Well, that brings up some stuff, doesn't it? If the psalms teach us anything, if it teaches us anything about worship, it teaches us that praise is to be strong and loud. He said, shout it. It should be strong and loud, celebratory, jubilant. It's an extolling of God and His greatness. It's a boasting of God. And in my thinking, less restrained than we often tend to be when it comes to praise. You say, well, Crispin, I don't think we ought to lift hands. I don't think we ought to be clapping. I don't think we ought to be shouting for joy in church or or get loud, or anything like that. And here's my response to that kind of attitude about praise. Because there are biblical and typical warranted expressions of praise throughout Scripture, these are because these are biblical uh, expressions of praise throughout Scripture, if you're troubled or put off by clapping... If you're troubled or put off by someone lifting their hands to pray in praise to the Lord, then it indicates that you are really, from a scriptural standpoint, too self-conscious about your worship to the Lord. And the reason I say you're too self-conscious, you say, you're judging me. You're ju-. No, you, I'm just saying, if this is your heart and attitude, somebody shouldn't lift their hands, somebody shouldn't do this. I didn't say they came down across the floor doing backflips and jumping jacks and tried to breathe on everybody and get everybody to flop on the floor and look like a fish out of water. I don't think that's a move of God. I'm talking about lift your hands to the Lord in praise. Hold your hands out to the Lord as if, Lord, I want to receive your presence today in my life. Whatever you want to do, whatever work you have. If these are not expressions that you are okay and comfortable with, you are too self-conscious about your praise. Because listen, praise is, requires God conscience. A God consciousness. If we are self-conscious, we are worried about what someone else is doing or what they think of what I'm doing. That's self-conscience. Praise requires God consciousness as opposed to self-consciousness and being inhibited by what others think or what others prefer. We're told to sing loudly. We are told to sing enthusiastically and to shout praises unto God. I love this little video of this girl. If you're ever on Facebook, you've probably already seen it. Marvin, you can just roll it. This little girl, you just think she had too much sugar. But I'll tell you, she's... She loves the Lord Jesus.
Oh, that's good. Anyway, I, she's not worried about what people think. Man, she's loving the song. She's loving singing and got the little robot kind of moves going on, you know, whatever works for her. So often we feel the spirit of worship in our souls, but something, something just confines us and holds us back, makes us hold it in. But our hearts are like that precious vase that we read about in the Scripture. Where the woman came and she, she left the table or the place where Jesus and the, the people had gathered after he had raised Lazarus from the dead. They were having a good fellowship and celebration and meal. And she got up and she left and she went into the home and she came back with this precious vase filled with this ointment that she had held onto because it was so expensive and so worth everything that she could have lived off of this if she ever needed to sell it. And so she brings it and she breaks it open and she pours it on Jesus. And she gets down and she's wiping his feet with her hair with this precious ointment and it fills the place. And, and we, we are that vase. We are that vase. And if we keep that in, if we don't break ourselves open and pour ourselves out on Jesus, something is absolutely wrong with us. She had had that for many years, but she was so compelled that she had to do this because this, although it was worthy of something on her shelf, it was more worthy uh, to be poured out on Jesus because He's more worthy than any valuable possession we might ever have. Some were mocking her for having wasted such precious perfume. They were mocking her in their hearts. They were indignant toward her. But Jesus honored her actions and honored her and He rebuked them for making fun or ridiculing her for her praise of Him. The same thing Jesus did to the Pharisees in Luke chapter 19. They're coming down through the streets. Jesus is entering the city of Jerusalem. The Pharisees are kind of along the little parade route there. And, and the, the people following Jesus are shouting. The Bible tells us they're saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And a Pharisee or a number of them shouted out, Jesus, rebuke your disciples. And Jesus shouted to them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. What a put down, in my opinion, would be if stones would have to cry out because God's people won't. If the stones get excited and crumble to the ground because God's people can't get excited about the salvation that we have. We've got to rethink our praise and make sure we're not placing unqualified restraints and restrictions that inhibit people from just simple expressions, biblical expressions of, Lord, I love you. Lord, you're awesome. Lord, you're wonderful. Let's break whatever needs to be broken inside of us and allow true praise to come out. So praise is awarding God with honor, with his prize. 
Praise involves our total being, our total makeup of who we are, deep within inside, body, soul, and spirit, mind, thoughts, actions, emotions, all that is within us. And praise involves jubilant singing, even shouts of praise. And it should be strong. That's, I loved that this morning. We're small in number, but we were singing out. I like that. God inhabits the praises of His people. Now let me teach you a few benefits of honoring the Lord with joyful praise. Praise accelerates answers to prayer. In Acts 16, what a simple illustration. One we often reflect on. Paul and Silas are in chains. They're in jail for preaching the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They're there and at midnight, the Bible says, they begin to sing and pray. And they're singing praises to the Lord. An earthquake comes, it rattles the cages, rattles the jail cell, and the chains fall off. Okay, that's pretty strong rattling. Do I think it rattled hard enough to knock the chains off? I don't care if it did or if God just caused the chains to fall. It doesn't matter. They came off and, and the prisoners all knew what was going on. They, everybody's set free and, and man, what happened? The door came open and they were able to walk out but didn't. They stood, they stood there and stayed there and they began to share the gospel. The jailer and his whole household were saved. What a wonderful story. What do we learn? Praise accelerates answers to prayer. David Livingstone said, A line of praise is worth a leaf of prayer. An hour of praise is worth a day of fasting and mourning. In other words, if what you could accomplish in an entire day of fasting or in sorrow or pouring your heart out to God, you can accomplish the same just praising Him for who He is. He knows your heart and He inhabits your praises. Praise accelerates answers to prayer. Here's another one. Praise drives the devil away. Remember last week we talked about our thoughts because our, our thoughts precede our mouth, what we say. Our thoughts precede where we go. Our thoughts precede what we do. Our thoughts precede what we become. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. As a woman thinks in her heart, so is she. She's going to become that. And that's why our thoughts are so important. And Satan, the enemy, can get involved with our thoughts. The Bible said he blinds the eyes of those who are disobedient. He works in the hearts and lives of the disobedient. He blinds the eyes of those who cannot, who are not saved, who are lost, so that they won't be saved. Satan has some power. Okay? And he can definitely run with our thinking and begin to tempt us in ways that go along with our thinking. The Bible says don't give Satan a foothold. Don't give him a place. Don't create an environment where Satan can work. Well, praise drives the devil away. First Samuel chapter 16, you'll remember that Saul was, had been displeasing to the Lord, King Saul. He'd been anointed by God as king of Israel, but he'd been disobedient. And God was chastening him with an evil spirit. We read this, it came to pass when the evil spirit from God was upon Saul, he called for a musician, and that musician was David. He wanted David to come in. David was the newly appointed king of God. He was going to take Saul's place. Saul just didn't know it yet. <laughs> David took his harp and he played with his hand, the Bible says. And the Bible continues, So Saul was refreshed and the evil spirit departed from him. 
He was refreshed with David's music, David's praise and worship, what he was playing with his heart, and he was made well, and the evil spirit departed from the praise that was going forth. I also have made reference a number of times, I think it's 2 Chronicles chapter 20, when Jehoshaphat didn't know what to do. A coalition of armies was coming against Israel, against Judah. He didn't know what to do. He didn't know how they would defeat him. He called for a fast and time of prayer. And through that, the Lord said, this is what I want. I want you to send out and face the army and send out in the front lines. Instead of all the mighty military men with the spears and everything, I want you to put... Uh, put the Teresa, put the pianist up front. Put the choir members up front. Uh, Tim, put, put the leaders up front. Put the guitar players up front with the stringed instruments. Put all these cymbal players up. Put the drummer up there. Put your guitar players up there. Get the choir together. Get everybody can sing. But we're going to put them in front and let them go out. And you'd think, my goodness, bad day to be a musician. Bad day to sing in the choir. I quit the choir. I'm not going on the front line. He put them all out front. They marched into battle. And guess what happened? God caused the enemies to turn against each other before they could ever come to Israel. And they demolished and killed one another. And the people, right before their very eyes, no, no, the musicians got front hand seat, front seats, right? They got to see God destroy their enemies. They had the best seat in the house. And can you imagine word trickling back as to what's happened? They're killing one another. We don't have to do a thing. The Bible says they didn't have to lift a finger. Why? Because of praise. Praise drives the devil away. I guess I just inserted something and that would be praise defeats your enemy. It's not one of the notes. You can write it down though. Satan is highly allergic to praise. If there was an antidote to the poison of demonic oppression... Praise would be one of those antidotes. Praise is an antidote to demonic oppression. Praise the Lord from the depths of your being. It drives the enemy away. Most importantly, and this is your last one here, praise gives us access into the presence of God. Psalm 100 verse 4, Enter into His gates with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise. I mentioned earlier there are stages, progressive stages really, of entering into the presence of God. And we get that from the worship that took place at the tabernacle and how the, even the temple courts and the gates, everything was laid out. First, we enter the gates with thanksgiving. As people entered into the city for those celebra- celebrative times of worship, they came in through the city gates with rejoicing. We see songs. Uh, Psalms of Ascents. Sometimes you'll see that, and depending on what Bible you have, you'll have the chapter, and it'll say Psalm whatever, and it'll say a, a song of ascents. As people were coming up into the city, entering through the gates, and then get to the temple and enter through the gates into the outer courts, they would sing songs of praise and thanksgiving. They would enter into the court area, the outer court area, with their praise. So they had their songs, didn't they? And I mentioned, uh, uh, excuse me, never mind. Anyway, when you get in there, you get to a place that is called the holy place. It's a really a building inside there that has two parts. The front part is called the holy place. The back part is called the most holy place or the holy of holies. 
They weren't allowed to go into the Holy of Holies. They weren't allowed to go into the Holy Place. They stayed in the courts and they praised the Lord. But from a figurative standpoint, we know that this is kind of a stage progression of our worship. That somehow we need to get into the Holy Place where there is service being taken before the Lord. Somehow we need to get in where sacrifice is being made, where blood is being spilt and our sins are forgiven and and somehow into the most holy place, into the very presence of God, which no one, the high priest could not even go without a blood sacrifice. Somehow in our worship we have to get there where the blood was sprinkled on the mercy seat on top of the Ark of the Covenant in God's presence and forgiveness was imputed upon the people. Now a person who had never trusted God by faith A person who's never trusted God by faith today can't enter the presence of God. He can be impacted by the things that are taking place, but he can't truly enter into the presence of God. They have to first come by faith. They have to be saved. A person who's unthankful and ungrateful to God in rebellion with God will not experience his presence. You're not going to experience and enter into his presence. Some people may say, well, why aren't my prayers being answered? The first place you should go is sin. Is there any sin? Come before the Lord. Uh, offer your, your confession to the Lord. Seek His forgiveness. Be clean before the Lord. Jesus makes that possible. And you come through Jesus by faith to your Heavenly Father who's pure and holy. And, and Jesus says, you know, I'm standing here on His behalf, her behalf. And He hears your prayers. He answers your prayers. He looks upon your faith and upon your heart. It includes us coming before the Lord with our total being through thanksgiving, praise, and focusing on Jesus who made this way possible by the sacrifice of His atoning blood, which covers our sin and appeases the wrath of God, thereby enabling us to have a relationship with God. This progression into the most holy place within the tabernacle of the Old Testament, pictures for us the freedom that we have in Jesus to bring our prayers, our praises, our petitions before Him, lay them at His feet because He is the only one who's worthy. That's what praise and worship does. Praise brings us into the gates. It brings us, it starts the progression of us coming before God. Worship also includes introspection, looking within. Looking within. Some of the songs we sing cause us to look in. The songs that just cause us to look at ourselves, friend, are not good songs for worship. They're just not. Songs that are for worship cause us to look toward Him. Not our, uh, our, all of our situations and all that. We can look at that all day long and talk about it all day long. Some people do. we got to get on to talking and looking to Jesus. Amen? It begins with praise, for God inhabits and dwells in the praises of his people. I'm going to leave you with this thought. The Bible says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. The average person breathes 23,000 breaths per day. Let us use many of them for praise to the Lord. 23,000 breaths of air. Surely we can use many of them to praise the Lord. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord.